Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. And that's especially the case today as we welcome for the very first time Nell Sloan, principal and co-founder of Capital Trading Group, a futures commodity firm uh, based out of Chicago. Nell, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Hey, Charlie. Thank you for inviting me. So now you have over 30 years in the commodities uh, futures markets. You've also been a writer and editor for several newsletters and a frequent contributor to financial seminars and radio shows. And you host the Capital Trading Group's podcast a few times a month. So let's start with a brief background of yours. All righty. Uh, do we do personal and professional? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll just go right into professional. All righty. So on the professional level, I got into the financial industry. Uh, I stopped counting, but over 30 years ago. Uh, and I mean, back in those days, I'm aging myself, but you know, we either got inspired by others and nothing was handed to us. So in those days, I worked at a dry cleaners. I used to babysit. I would walk dogs. I would feed cats you know, to earn a living. And through those different careers, I was fortunate enough to babysit for a, a very wealthy family. They had this outstanding Greystone mansion in downtown, or I shouldn't say downtown, but it was called the Gold Coast of Chicago. And this guy was a stockbroker. So I just remember he had all these financial books and I would kind of go through them. Don't worry, the kids were asleep. <laughs> I would kind of go through them. And I was like, you know, this is a... a I like this lifestyle. So I got inspired to get into finances just from that alone. And having worked at the dry cleaners and having been fortunate enough to meet so many somewhat celebrity status in the Gold Coast, uh, was offered a job, or I should say an interview. And from there, you know, I was probably, well, I was a young lad, but I got interviewed and he would ask me questions like, you know, do you know what pork bellies are? And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> but I still got hired. It was the enthusiasm I had uh, and the desire to work hard. And, and therefore, uh, I landed a position in the financial industry, which was quite a bit different than it is today. And I guess fast forwarding to, I guess, 06, then I landed, uh, co-founded Capital Trading Group with my partner, Patrick Lafferty. And its original formation was to accommodate a $400 million customer that we were serving uh, and his needs. And from there, we've just continued to grow the business. Okay. Well, so tell us what Capital Trading Group does for whom. So we're a commodity firm. Uh, our dealings are with futures and options on futures only. So we don't deal in stocks. Uh, and, and the clients that we serve are predominantly three uh, we, as far as categories. So we serve the retail customers that are seeking different trading platforms and or they're looking for products. And by products, I mean, they're looking for ways in which to risk money to make money. And the products might be something as simple as leasing a system or buying trading software, something that they could tap into that would tell them where to buy, uh, you know, what price, where the stop losses and things in that nature. 
And they can either take it upon themselves to do so, or they could hand us the baton and say, hey, Capital Trading Group rep, would you be so kind to auto trade this for me? And then we will do so. So it's done on a limited discretionary authority signed off by the customer. So we have retail customers and we have institutional customers. And on the institutional side, we're serving money managers. And money managers that we serve are known as commodity trading advisors. So they're guys that investors will seek out, they'll sign off on a power of attorney for them to manage their a portion of their portfolio. And the markets that they trade are typically just the futures contracts, and it might be options on futures. But they trade various commodities and different styles and different markets, and we try to align them with what they're seeking on a risk-adjusted return level. And then the third part of our business model is serving actually the money manager by serving them with front middle back office support, uh, such as, you know, giving them, at, we'll do the trade execution, we give them uh, access to generate reports that will reconcile all those trades. Uh, we become their, their full service broker so that their job is to do what people hire them to do, manage the risk. And then we handle all the back end heavy lifting stuff behind the scenes uh, to serve them. So, you know, we got products that people either uh, want to lease or purchase, and we have products that people want to find ways where they can have a money manager just manage their assets, and it's usually a small percentage, typically maybe 7% of their overall, you know, portfolio. And we So now to, let, to let, let's talk for a minute about, uh -huh. about commodities. So why do people invest in commodities today? So first of all, define commodities for our listeners, okay? So basically, it's supply-demand-driven markets that they have their own price discovery. They're not as influenced by the same factors that the fundamentals of stocks might be. So you have gold, silver futures contracts, corn, wheat, live cattle, live hogs, you know, to name a few. And the answer of why they invest in the commodities. So the returns on, on trading futures is quite different than that of stocks, you basically have a much lower correlation. So correlation is basically relationship. So they're looking for a lower correlated asset class. They're looking for liquidity. They're looking for um, transparency. Uh, and since we have such a fun time of money printing these days, they also provide somewhat of a hedge for inflation. Uh, you know, the demand for commodities tends to be higher during periods of inflationary times and prices tend to go higher. And the other reason, I have a whole bunch of reasons, but the other reason is uh, the tax treatment on them is different than that of stocks. And I'm not an accountant, seek your tax advisor, but basically the tax treatment is known as 1256. And lastly, I think uh, people have been going more into the commodity space because there are rules that uh, are imposed by FINRA in relation to day trades. There's certain restrictions uh, that have to be met for people that want to trade a market on a shorter term basis. And we don't have that same um, restrictions with the futures trading activity. Okay. So, so commodities trading, it's, it's a special niche in the uh, world of investments. What do you see uh, after 30 plus years of doing this as misperceptions by so many investors and advisors about the commodities and futures marketplaces? Um, I would say 
having the product they're trading delivered at their doorstep. And less than 5% of futures are actually delivered. So I would say that that's a definite misperception. I would also say that certainly we always want to address risk, but there's this perception that commodities are extremely risky. And don't get me wrong, they are risky, but I don't understand why people would perceive that to be any more risky than stocks or other markets other than the leverage component. And if you understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, if you understand the blindsided part of any investment, then you just simply position yourself to expect worst case scenarios and mitigate that risk. And that's true with any investment that we take on. No, no, no question about it. So, so in other words, due to options and the natural leverage element of commodities, uh, they can be, you know, very, very well, much higher risk. And yet, if someone doesn't like that, they're not forced into that position. Is that what you're saying? Of, of being high risk? Yeah. So let me uh, elaborate a little bit just to kind of um, summarize it. So if I was trading wheat, for example, and let's say uh, before we got on the call, I think last price on wheat was say 629. So if the price of wheat's at 629, I might only have to put up $2,000 to trade that particular commodity. Whether I'm buying or selling, my price is 629, let's say, and I'm putting up $2,000 of good faith capital, otherwise known as margin. So what does that translate to? It basically means that I'm controlling $31,400 worth of wheat. So leverage is you're putting up very little dollars to control the significant greater contract size. And when we invest and we take risks to make money, I think we are, we just have to become more knowledgeable about what we're doing. And we have to be proactive on the educational part and proactive on what can I do to mitigate this risk. It's called stop losses. It's called options. There's a lot of other derivatives and things we can do, even diversification, uh, to seek ways to you know, mitigate our exposures. And, and earlier when you asked me why people invest, they invest because they're looking for ways in which to risk money to make money on things that are not so dependent on the same you know, fundamental aspect. Okay, so, so let's take an example, all right? And you used tweet. So you've got the numbers there. So- Somebody would invest in wheat, one, because it's probably has a correlation of close to zero with U.S. equities, correct? Put another way. So when I talk about investing and the stock market or a particular stock might be depending on corporate buybacks, it might be dependent on you know, corporate earnings and economic growth and interest rate sensitivity. And we usually will buy a stock in expectation of higher prices. And the commodities, if we think, you know, we're going to be dealing in some hard times and demand will, will suffer as a result and, uh, you know, of a particular commodity, well, all we have to do is we could buy it if, if our expectations are for higher prices or we sell it if our expectations are for lower prices. We don't have the restrictions. As easy as it is to buy, you can sell. It's all about price perception and you know, hedgers, for example, if you're a farmer, you're looking to lock in a specific price and you can do so through the use of our futures contracts and you could do so through the use of our futures, you know, options on futures. I mean, it's awesome. There's many ways and variables on how you can build out a portfolio and leave yourself with, you know, a, a unlimited upside potential and yet limited downside exposure. There's a lot of 
ways in which to do so, which might have to be in a further podcast. <laughs> hey, that's all right. We're, we're not looking to get into the tall weeds here. You, you would lose me too quickly. So there are reasons why the futures marketplace has been a real challenge lately. One is equities have done so well. I mean, let's face it. And uh, all people really have needed to do is just invest, you know, since 2009, that they just go long, uh, you know, S&P 500 or something like that, or especially uh, the NASDAQ 100. And it's been rising. Number two, managed futures have struggled. They have struggled for, for about that same period of time. Number three, I read the Wall Street Journal every day now without fail, and I don't see a whole lot in there about the futures market, but every day it's telling about the various stock market indices, etc. So what are we really missing uh, when we're not in the futures market um, and with commodities? And, and have these been significant headwinds, and is the futures commodity marketplace less than it used to be? And is it more of a struggle? And do people want to get in it less than they did 20 years ago? Where is that market now due to those those three particular headwinds? So a couple things. Yes, the Fed has our back. How long is the Fed <laughs> going to have our back, right? Um, 2008, how many people actually predicted that in, in a way that they can actually lighten up their commitment in some of these stock positions and so forth. I mean, when we invest, we chase returns. We're guilty of our own human element of greed, right? We, we go in there. We know valuations are off the charts in stocks. A lot of things that are happening today just really don't make a lot of sense of, of logic. <laughs> I mean, GME stock, and we could go down that path. But you asked about growth and, and managed futures and so forth. So there are a handful of products that have done exceptionally well. And we can never time anything. Uh, so if, if we don't do anything now to diversify the portfolio, when are we going to do it? Uh, we're going to wait till the stocks drop 40 50%. Then we're going to take action. That's not how it works. It's like Bitcoin. We have to be proactive. We have to position portfolios beforehand because if we do it later, well... <laughs> It's obviously not going to be in our best interest. It's like um, buying stocks at the end of 08 would have been ideal. But quite frankly, I didn't do it. <laughs> I had a hard time looking at it. So the growth, where is our growth coming from? So you asked a little bit about our business. And I'm very grateful that we have been fortunate to be in business for as long as we have. Because in the brokerage industry, a lot of the revenue from brokerage firms, and you hear it from Robinhood and how there's free commissions and so forth. And you got to wonder, how are they making money? And, and there's different business models. But, you know, the income that was once derived from interest rates from firms, well, we know where rates are. So that hasn't exactly been sexy. So we have continued to ask customers that we serve, what are they buying? What's working for them? And that has helped us to continuously over 30 years be a firm today that we weren't 10 years ago. The growth is coming from the retail space, but what are they buying in the retail space? They're buying trading software. And I don't mean platforms. I'm talking about you know systems and, and they're reaching out to people that can help them teach. Uh, and when I talk about mentors and teachers, not the guys that are just selling stuff, but people have that have their own skin in the game. And what Capital Trading Group does to accommodate that growth has been 
to put our own money invested in certain products. So we become the guinea pig first. We test it, we go back and we look, and there are no guarantees uh, that they will continue to do well in the future. But we're committed enough to find the right product for our customers so that we don't bring customers on and expect them to be a customer for a short time. We hope that we sustain those relationships and we have continued to pivot our business based on where the growth is. So, Charlie, you're right. Managed Futures and the AUM that has flowed, you know, flowed into them after 08, when the stock market tanked and the CTA Barclay Index reflected positive returns, people were like, wait, this did well in 08. And again, I should probably put a disclaimer in there. No guarantee they'll continue to perform that same way. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, we have to find ways to make money in different environments. And we've been spoiled uh, since, you know, 2009 with stock market appreciation. We have to take a look at other avenues and we shouldn't do it after it's already had a huge move for or against us. We should be looking at it as a diversified buckets of a pie, you know? Yeah. So now let's ask about some of those other avenues. Uh, lately, the, the media has had a lot of information on certain commodities that have not been as popular in the past. Uh, lithium, rare earth metals from China, uh, energy, gold and silver, agricultural products, etc. They're much more in the news these days than they have been in at least the recent past. Has this, is this creating a resurgence of, of information and attention to uh, the, the, uh, commodities markets? Absolutely. You know, there's a saying, the trend is your friend. And we've had really sustainable market trends across most sectors of our commodities. I mean, all you have to do is read in the Wall Street Journal about the lumber prices and the higher cost of building and the slowdown in home buildings, et cetera, copper, all these markets are making significant moves. So people are coming into the futures to try to position themselves to partake in a bull market move. I haven't seen market moves like this, I don't know, since 70s, 80s. I'm aging myself again. But yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, so, so, so that's very interesting. So I would think that would be very good for your industry, right? Oh, absolutely. And the growth, again, isn't as much in the CTA managed future space as it used to be. And I think part of it is fees, but I think a lot of it has been just people wanting to, you know, trade for themselves and, and find other products in which to do so. So now let's change the subject just a little bit. The question we'd like to ask all of our guests is, what's the best advice that you've ever heard, read, or received about trading or investing? <laughs> All right, I'm going to tell one that's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> these are supposed to be short answers, right? My son would be killing me right now. Hey, that's um, all right. No, if you've got a story, <laughs> we'd love to hear it now. All right, so um, my parents had an interesting marriage, okay? They divorced for four years and remarried again. It was just a rock and roll marriage. It was crazy. But anyway, I would always ask my dad, I go, Dad, mom's not always really nice to you. <laughs> and this is his advice he gave me. It's cheaper to keep her. <laughs> but um, I always remember that. Anyway, um, advice, I think, is understanding our exposure in what we invest and always expect the unexpected. I'll take COVID, for example. 
I mean, would you have ever thought in your lifetime that we would be shut down to the manner that we are, that we would be told to walk north versus south down a grocery aisle? I mean, it, it's just, it, yeah. it, it does impair our work. So our, you know, financial security of our job, some jobs were pretty much gone and, and your safety net. So it's always being defensive and, you know, not being a pessimist, but I don't think there's a lot of risk in preparing for worse times ahead when we make investment decisions. You know, that, that, that's great advice, Sonal. And, uh, you know, typically we, we look at how much money we'll make with a particular trade or investment. And really what we should typically look at is how much could we lose and what's a, what are the odds of that and that kind of thing. So that, that, that's great advice. A second question we'd like to ask, Nell, is what keeps you awake at night besides Stuff. your dog? <laughs> yeah, my son uh, just got a puppy, and last week I I uh, flew back to Illinois to babysit this puppy. And I've always had cats, so I I'm getting the feeling puppies don't sleep. So that's one. But what keeps <laughs> me up awake, honestly, I think is stuff that we can't control, things that are out of our control, and it's it's frustrating, you know. And I won't get too into it, but it's um, circumstances, you know, uh, like. There was a big clearing firm that went bankrupt and, you know, no cause of our own. Oh. And even if I owned a restaurant, is it my fault? I served the best food. People loved me. And all of a sudden I'm out of business. So it's those kind of things that we do our best. We want to deliver our best, but circumstances might occur that hurts us. Okay. I appreciate that. And the third question we like to ask our guests, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? Okay, years ago, my partner Patrick and I wrote a book called Breaking Through to Success, The Commodity Investor's Handbook. <laughs> so that one, hands down. No, um, I think market wizards, I think most people that have traded or are looking to trade have all read market wizards. And it's, it's always uplifting, you know, to learn from those that have been successful, the mistakes they made so you can avoid what, you know, mistakes they've made. It's a good book. Well, good. You know, I'm uh, working my way through uh, a book by a particular trader. He's a stock market trader, but uh, not commodities. But he tells us more than once in his book, he said, I was a full-time trader for six years before I became profitable. So no question about it. I'm sure uh, commodities trading is a similar thing, right? Somebody doesn't just show up. Uh, like they did in the 80s with the turtle traders and, uh, you know, become immediately profitable, right? Yeah, you almost want to have losses incurred first because it humbles you and the market always has this ability to humble us. You know, so you want to be, you know, you get more conditioned and disciplined when losses happen earlier on than like the millennials trading right now, the stock market as if yeah. it's just a gigantic casino and it's not going to be pretty when it goes the other way. Yeah, no question about it. So for those who would like to know more now, where can they go? What can they do? So our website is www.ctgtrading.com. Again, it's ctgtrading.com. And my toll-free line is 800-238-2610. And Charlie, thank you so much for having me on and inviting me. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, and now it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and hope things continue to go well for you guys and that Chicago gets a little better weather, you know. So final, <laughs> final words for our listeners here, Nell. 
always put your, you know, look out for yourself when it comes to investing. Make sure you understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and the blind side part of that investment portfolio. Okay. Well, Nell, again, we appreciate you being here and appreciate your insights into a particular niche of the world of trading and offer our best wishes for your continued success for you and Capital Trading Group. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you. So again, you've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. We'd love to hear from you at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. You can visit our website to listen to all of our podcasts, interviews, and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. <laughs>